from VentureX Studios, it's JP, Kathy, and the crew. Man, good morning, good morning. What a weekend to talk about this weekend. I mean, if it wasn't explosive in politics, and we'll call on Brandon later, uh, then I don't know what that was. Uh, tons going on in the medical world. Of course, October is our big kickoff for breast cancer awareness. Schools all over the area doing their pink out during their football games. Exciting to see that back during a pandemic. And we've got Dr. Norm Clothier joining us from Family Healthcare Associates. Good morning, Dr. Clothier. Good morning. How are you today? I'm well, thank you. How are you? Good. Good. Oh, I'm doing well. Thanks. So I hear that we got a, a big month of uh, celebrating how to fight something this this month. Yeah, and that's, um, you know, I think it's always important to have an awareness time. Obviously, breast cancer is important to screen for, treat, prevent, and, you know, take care of the people involved in it uh, all the time. That's, you know, of course, the the knock on things like breast cancer awareness month is like what happens the rest of the time, you know, uh, but obviously I think it's, I think it's valuable to highlight it and make there uh, be an awareness. You know, there, there are, are attempts at, for instance, prostate cancer awareness and colon cancer awareness and skin cancer awareness and all kinds of things like that. But the breast cancer awareness has really caught on because of the pink imagery. You're right. And you know, it's, um, I think it's just valuable to have that opportunity even for young people to realize what an impactful and challenging disease it is. No no person wants to hear about breast cancer in their family, and certainly no person wants to hear about breast cancer in themselves. So I do, you know, I think it's really uh, a good reminder, make sure for all those that it's applicable to, which is women 40 and above, to have a mammogram every year. There are occasionally uh, groups that say, you know, let's do ages 45 to 54, for instance, because it's a peak time. Or there's another one once that said age 48 to 61, I think it was. And, you know, those things are kind of arbitrary. Honestly, there may be a peak time there, but, you know, the real key is catch it early and, and just get screened. So the challenges, and I do want to mention just some of the challenges with screening for breast cancer. Uh, I think there is a bit of fear about going in for mammogram. It's kind of like getting blood tests. Sometimes people say, oh, I don't want to know if something's wrong. Well, you know, that doesn't work out with a cancer. Ignoring it doesn't do any good for anybody. So uh, if you can do your once-year screening uh, with mammography, and I do find the it's highly dependent on the tech. If the tech is really merciful and good, then it's, you know, a tolerable uh, a few seconds worth of x-ray time. Uh, there are ultrasounds and MRIs done now, too. Those are for in different indications. The screening mammogram with computer-guided assistance is still the gold standard there. So what can it do and what can it not is a fair question. And one, the reason we don't start screening really before 40, there are some groups that have adv advocated over time. In fact, we used to routinely do a baseline from 35 to 40. And that may be the right term is just a baseline so that you have an x-ray to compare to a mammogram x-ray. And that's um, because it's just not likely in a younger person to pick up anything. So, you know, it's nothing personal. I hear people, you know, I have women come in and see me and say, oh, my grandmother had uh, breast cancer and my great-grandmother did, so I want to start doing mammograms now. And I look at at the age and you know they're like 25 and well you really you can't screen that it's kind of almost the equivalent of saying well you know my older family member had to have a knee replacement so i need to do something now well that's you know it's a, a risk of age so we'll talk about risk factors here in a minute and then the other you know the distinct limitation too is that if you have a um you know, let's say you screen in October because it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and then something begins to grow as a cancer in November, it will be invisible in October. It won't be there. And then by 11 months later, it could be fairly significant. So that's why we always encourage women to uh, do a self-exam and just be aware. If there's pain, if there's a lump, if there's a, um, 
you know, just that sort of an instinctive difference, then it's really important to pay attention to that. So if we talk about, yeah, go ahead. Dr. Claudier, I guess, you know, one of the big questions that I have, because I, of course, I have a daughter and um, we went through this process of self-examination. What is the, the best method to identify how we go through self-evaluation and how often should you self-evaluate? Yeah, the, and that is a fair question. I, here's the zinger on that. And that's, this is a tough one, is that the uh, preventive task force that looks at all kinds of screening and prevention type issues, the uh, U.S. Task Force on Preventive Services, has declared that the self-breast exam does not have value uh, because it is sometimes hard to pick up on, you know, if there's a lump deep in the breast tissue. Uh, so I think that needs to be taken in perspective, though, is that it shouldn't be the only way to screen. But what we do recommend is once a month to just, uh, like in the shower or in some circumstance where it's easy enough using lotion or something to roll fingers over the tissue and check, then that's the proper way, you know, being uh, just routine so that you get to know your own tissue feel. And then you can tell if there's a difference with time if you're doing a self-exam. That's what it is, is a self-exam. And then if you have a lump, bump, um, soreness, redness, any of those things occur, you tell your doctor. And then you determine what to do next. Most lumps are not uh, dangerous. A lot of, especially in younger women, a lot of the lumps that they find are, are related to fibrocystic changes or little benign spots in the tissue. But it's still important to evaluate that and determine whether, for instance, an ultrasound is needed. We really don't use mammograms in younger women. So then uh, if you get in that routine once a month of just kind of paying attention, presumably you can then tell if there's a change over time, let's say for, you know, 10, 12 years, You've been doing a self-exam, and then you're, you know, 40-ish and feel lumps, then that is a very important factor to pay attention to. So when we talk about risk factors, that's an important thing, I think, to uh, spend a little bit of concentrated time on because the things you cannot change that are risk factors are age. There is a more likely incidence of all cancers with age, but especially, well, except for a few childhood cancers, of course, but um, age is the primary risk factor. And, uh, you know, it's sometimes just a genetic issue. You can get genetic testing if you know what kind of genetics are involved in a family member. Uh, not all those are uh, available. You know, there are family histories where it's just random. And so you can't really do anything genetically about that. And then if you do genetic testing, you're positive. You have to face the hard decision on what to do about that. You know, some people, uh, some public individuals have famously had bilateral mastectomies to prevent cancer because they're positive for the BRCA gene. Uh, I know some patients that have chosen to do that. I think that's a very individual choice and not one that's easy to come to because that is a huge surgery, uh, significant risk to the surgery, usually multiple procedures over time. And it just cannot be taken lightly. And that's one of those things, too, that I find, you know, a, a person must decide on their own with the advice of usually a whole crew of doctors, not, you know, you can't tell someone else if it's your neighbor and you find out they're positive for the gene. You can't just, oh, you have to have, you know, bilateral mastectomy. And it's a very personal decision and a very important one to make whether, you know, whether you feel tried or do ongoing surveillance because with uh, genetic tendencies, there are, is not 100%. There's no 100% in medicine with testing or with, you know, various responses to treatments, whatever. So if you're positive for the gene, then there's a higher incidence of cancer, but it's not 100% incidence. So I think that has to be weighed in there as well. Now, the changeable, yes. Um, if I may. Your, your doctor's offices still hand out the placard that they can hang on their shower neck that gives you the way to do the self-exam and so forth, or 
You can yeah, there's out to a foundation. You know that readily available. I think in most. I mean, I don't go to a lot of other doctors' offices, but uh, yes, it's readily available. It's readily available online. There are all kinds of teaching videos. You know, this is the age of information, and it's really hard to avoid if you start looking at information from you know, health resources about breast self-exam, it's everywhere. And, you know, I think doctors teach it uh, or at least mention it. It's interesting. I say it that way because there are actually are studies that show if you just mention to do self-exam, the rate of occurrence goes up. It's always important to be encouraged. But that's what things like breast cancer awareness are all about is to allow people to pay more attention to what they should be doing to work on prevention and early detection is of course the other term you can't prevent by doing a self-breast exam but you can do early detection so there are three very important risk factors that you can modify and one of the risk factors is being obese there if you exercise and lose weight you reduce the risk of breast cancer so i think it's very important for everyone work to gain leaner with time uh that's just you know fundamental we always mention exercise and weight loss and perspective of disease management and that is actually preventive for breast cancer because it's been shown that being overweight or sedentary are both risk factors for development of breast cancer another one that's huge that can easily be managed by quitting is smoking and it's interesting to me that smoking seems to have influence on really nearly every cancer if not every cancer and even though you know you would think of the cigarette smoke toxins and carcinogens as not necessarily affecting the breast it does and so there's a higher rate in women who smoke so it's very important to quit smoking now i'd encourage you if you are a smoker just go ahead and quit today no reason to put it off because there are always cumulative issues of damage with smoking and so that's a very important one. And the other one that really surprises people, I think, is alcohol. Uh, alcohol has been clearly associated with breast cancer risk, and that's the consumption of alcohol. Uh, and so, you know, many years ago now, there was a lot of talk and kind of a, a happy glee that a uh, glass or two of red wine had heart preventive issues to it. And a lot of people started really getting into that wine scene and the drinking of wine that, you know, I'm, oh, I'm preventing a heart attack. And, you know, the evidence for that is extremely little, especially since supplements are available that can do the same with the resuvitrol and the red wine. And red wine, along with other alcohol, has been associated with increased breast cancer risk. And that risk is actually at four drinks per week. So if you have a glass a day, you're at nearly double that risk already. So it's really important to pay attention to that. And I know wine is, you know, maybe particularly is a big social issue now. It seems like it's everywhere. I think it shouldn't be. I think people need to be really careful to be moderate about that and just really minimize the intake because that is a, a distinct risk factor. Dr. So the, Peter, yeah. Have they discovered any one element of a lot of these different factors that points at one thing or two or three different things that says, hey, these are the things you want to stay away from, right? Like, like you don't want to eat a lot of saccharin. You don't want to eat a lot of um, the stuff in the pink packet of sugar that's not really sugar. Uh, right. Have either of those been associated with breast cancer? I, I don't know. No. I don't know. No. <laughs> Here are the things they have been clearly correlated to breast cancer, obesity, sedentary lifestyle, smoking, and alcohol. And those are the modifiable risk factors. Risk factors that are not modifiable easily, but are somewhat modifiable, are age at first pregnancy. If you are under 30 at your first pregnancy, there is lower risk of breast cancer than if you're over 30 or if you never become pregnant. Now, that's not really, I wouldn't call that a modifiable risk factor. I would say it's an adjusted risk factor. So, you know, women who have uh, pregnancy before age 30 seem to have a lower risk than those over 30. 
there are certain hormones, including certain birth control pills that have been associated with higher risk of cancer. And most of those have been modified and adapted over time to minimize that risk. But hormone use over age 50 uh, should only be used for nearly uncontrollable hot flashes because outside of the body hormones or what we call exogenous hormones are a higher risk for the for breast cancer. And then another one you can't modify, but it's just true. And maybe the reason some families have more risk is that if you start having cycles earlier in life or have cycles longer into life, like menopause at a later age, say 56 or more, there's a higher risk uh, to the body of breast cancer. So you can't control that, but we have seen a change in you know earlier uh, puberty in both boys and girls, and it's thought to be somewhat dietary with you know various uh, junk foods and things like that. So you know nutrition always plays a role. I think it's really hard to to have excellence with nutrition throughout life, but if you possibly could you probably would reduce some risk. Well, and, and so I do want to mention. Oh, real quick, I yeah. wanted to jump in on the age thing because I I do see um, in, in a number of, you know, friends, family, I'm seeing um, people who know people or people, you know, on social media who are asking for prayers who are getting breast cancer at a much younger age. So is there anything, I mean, obviously you try to feed your kid the best you can, but it seems like, like it was a big deal back in my age group if if somebody started their menstrual cycle early. Nowadays, it's 9, 10, 11 is no big deal. And you hear it like has to do with um, hormones in meat maybe or changes with milk. Is there any truth to that or is there anything you can do, you know, to help your, your child out at a young age proactively for something like this? Yeah, you know, I just was mentioning, I think it's really hard to have excellence in nutrition all throughout right. life, but I think there is an association with certain food additives and environmental factors and junk food and excessive food. Uh, being over uh, a recommended body weight is associated with a higher risk of breast cancer over time. Uh, exposure to smoke, if you are a parent and you smoke, you need to quit because your child doesn't yes. need to be exposing more than you do i think that one reason we're seeing a lot more uh kind of younger breast cancer is environmental i think there are environmental factors that we haven't fully delineated yet that are probably out there there are a lot of studies going on this exposure and you know like you mentioned food additives and changes but also i think it's much more culturally acceptable to drink alcohol quite a bit and i think it sends alcohol is a distinct risk factor for breast cancer. I think that's a another reason that that's become a bigger issue at times. Yeah. I think it, you know, it used to not be as common to, um, you know, be a daily alcohol drinker, and I think that's become even more common during the pandemic. I, so I think you're right, and also with women. Think about it. Back in the day, like you know, you your husband would come in the fifties. Your husband would come home from work. And he was already drinking the three martini lunch, but the woman, she was at home, she was just smoking, not drinking. But but now everybody's drinking, I guess. You know, I do think, though, I think you're right. You know, that may sound a little extreme, but I think it's true. I think it has changed the patterns. Uh, Alcohol intake patterns have changed, and that is a distinct risk factor. The, The risk factors for breast cancer are aging. And alcohol and smoking and obesity and sedentary lifestyle and family history and, you know, early menarche or hormone treatment after 50 and um, not having a baby before age 30. Those are all known risk factors. And some can be changed. Not all those can be changed. And so that's why we're talking about, you know, kind of observing the risk factor rather than a modifiable risk factor. Right. But those things are all all true. The other thing I want to just mention is, and it's not politically correct during October, frankly, I've gotten in trouble for this once before having a poster in my office, but there is the incidence also in the world of male breast cancer. And I think if we're going to be honest about breast cancer awareness, it's fair to mention that too. 
Uh, it is a much lower rate than in women, but as you can imagine, because men don't want to mention it or mention soreness or pain or a lump, it is uh, actually a more deadly disease, statistically speaking. So, you know, it's always important as a human, whether male or female, to pay attention to changes in the body and things that instinctively bug you. And I would suggest, again, as I often want to bring up, is if you have a doctor and have a relationship with the doctor, you should be able to mention things in the confidentiality of the exam room that are, that are important to your health. And I think it's really, uh, it never does any good to be in denial about it. You know, I've certainly had patients over time who had a, a lump or even a change on a mammogram that is significant, but they don't want to go face it or they don't want to, you know, tell their um, older mom who had lost a sister to breast cancer. They don't want to mention it. I've had patients who don't want to use the word cancer. That's why I think wow. it also is um, important that we have Breast Cancer Awareness Month because it gets the words out there, frankly, you know, so that people can mention things. And people can say to their loved ones, you know, have you been screened? Have you paid attention? Do you have concerns? And I think all those things are of high value during this a special month of recognition of it and recommendation to screen. But I also think it's very important to pay attention year-round. You know, it's it's kind of, um, it's just important to pay attention to any change. Like I was mentioning early uh, in the broadcast here that if you have a mammogram in October, but you start to develop a lump in November, it wouldn't be found on mam mammogram till the following October. And so if you notice a lump bump change, skin redness, soreness, uh, anything like that, you need to pay attention and please just be willing to tell your doctor. Right. Absolutely. So, Dr. Clothier, I know it's almost time for you to go. <clears throat> so I want to kind of change the subject a little bit before we go. Any big surprises from college football this weekend for, for you? <laughs> Why did I well, know that was coming? <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I knew the outcomes of the games beforehand. Um, that's not why just they call you in Vegas, uh, yeah. Dr. <laughs> yeah, that's they play the game for the fun of it, but I know the outcomes. Oh, but the uh, now, it, you know, what I observed yeah, with I mean, the weekend of football, uh, and really this goes for the college games primarily, but there's not much defense out there. They have adjusted all the rules to favor offense so much that you're seeing these games there, 51-48, you know, 55-48. I mean, that's a ridiculous amount of scoring in a football game. And, you know, some of it was just, you know, like, for instance, in the, in the uh, Cotton Bowl pair matchup there, OU-UT, there were some huge plays on both sides that were not influenced by rules. But uh, so many of the rules favor offense that I think it's, uh, it's just shockingly, um, you know, it's fun to watch an offensive game. But I'm not sure these are – you know, these are not like the games of 20 and 30 years ago where it's grind them out, you know, really uh, exert force on the other team. This is more uh, almost fantasy football in a way to see the big plays. And, and so I think there were a lot of fun games. I obviously, you know, of course, was offended by a couple of the outcomes. But that <laughs> that happens. That's, uh, that's why we plan for there still be 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 more years of football. So that we can someday forget this one, this one. Exactly. I knew that I, was yeah. coming. Clothier, thank you so much for your time, and uh, thanks for, <laughs> for playing along with college football. And that's what we're segueing into next. So Have a Very blessed good. week. We'll play safely. <laughs> thank right, you, Dr. Clothier. Thank you so much. Let's talk to Norm Clothier with Family Healthcare Associates. <laughs> yeah, I great info. Around the Metroplex. Great so. info. Faye was giving him a plug on uh, social media, uh, you know, and his, his office a plug. Uh, you know, just great info. And I think it's um, it's so important that if, if something feels different, something feels odd, um, gosh, just um, get in there and get it checked out. Just better safe than sorry. You know, a friend of ours... Um, uh, recently, she's just finished up her cancer treatment. Um, she, I mean, she's taken, she's got to take medicine for like the next 10 years or something, a pill every day. But um, 
it was early detection. It was very rapid growing, so rapid growing that they thought she had 90 days to get in for surgery. Luckily, she got in within the first like 30 to 45 days after being diagnosed. And it had already that quickly grown out of the spot that they were originally going to remove. So if she would have waited the 90 days, it might have been a completely different outcome as far as what type of surgery and what type of um, chemo and radiation and treatment. Um, yeah, just and you've mentioned this, and I don't know if y'all mentioned this earlier earlier about, you know, the um, checking yourself in the shower. Just there's something about when your skin's wet and soapy. You can feel a lot more, and so um, you know. I'm not trying to be graphic. I know this is morning, morning, sh- a morning show, but um, but seriously, that's that's the best time to get in there and check things out. No, I agree, and he did mention that. What's Good. interesting is is that he mentioned that self exam is really kind of overplayed. Uh, don't allow that to be your guidance on everything. Right. Do the self exam, but you know, and he is right. A lot of those lumps that are breast. Uh, cancerish or deeper tissue and you can't feel you can't feel them yeah and especially and then you know it depends on do you have um you know do you have dense breast tissue not dense breast tissue do you have some you know more chest muscles that are woven in um i know it used to make a difference what time of the month i checked myself but then also um caffeine intake can um mimic like some type of lump or you know weird feeling tissue in there um just better safe than sorry you know and for guys too just i'm I'm glad he mentioned the men um as well but but of course i knew uh, literally when you're like well dr clothier and you're acting like you're gonna throw one of i'm going to throw a jp really smart i i used to be a judge question i was like oh dude he's totally handed off to college football (laughs) <laughs> we had more fun talking this weekend. I mean, it wasn't usually JP and I text about stuff like this. We were legit on the phone because, of course, JP had to call and sing the entire song, The Eyes of Texas Are Upon You, which might have been a little premature. Oh, heck, it was fun to watch and fun to be in it. That's for darn sure. It, it was yeah, fun. Texas, Texas did not want that game. In fact, let's go ahead and start off there with our college football breakdown. And I'll tell you, <clears throat> Texas started off on fire. Uh, I knew Rattler was not going to be the quarterback to finish that game. In fact, I told our intern from North Texas, because she's a big Boomer Sooner fan, I told her, I said, you watch. I said, Rattler will be replaced after the half because he is not going to be effective, and he was not against yeah. that Texas defense. Texas woke up and played amazing football for three quarters, and then all of a sudden – Oklahoma wanted it more than Texas. Number 25, Texas. Number four, Oklahoma in the Red River uh, showdown. Oklahoma takes on that win, 55-48. to The fourth quarter is the telling story. The Oklahoma Sooners go on to score 25 points in the fourth quarter, uh, while Texas could only put up a meager seven points uh, for a a, a score of 55-48. to And Kathy... I mean, I just wanted to sit down and cry. I know. My mom called. Of course, you know, um, I'm going back and forth. I need to get, I need, I I think you and my mom have each other's phone number. If not, I will need to give that to y'all because, you know, of course she's, you know, UT alum, just a big, big old fan. She, I told you she had like all of her different, you know, throw blankets and her, her UT snuggly on all these different things. And then as the game's shifting, she's like, do, do I, change it do I put a throw blanket on and take the snuggly off and what what do I do you know and then she calls she goes do I need to call JP and she was all worried she's like I'm upset she goes but I don't did he throw a beer at the, at the TV and I go well he doesn't drink beer she goes did he throw a soda can at the TV and I said I don't know I'm afraid to check she's like well, let me know if I need to call him <laughs> well I'll tell you you know and here's the big statistic and your mom was right I you know what's funny is I was like, you know, if your mom's got herself UT'd out, we got a big win. This, <laughs> yeah. this, you know, uh, she's saying year. a rosary there. It's all good. <laughs> yeah. And no. Oh. But the biggest telling story, again, was the quarterback position. And again, before the game even, I had predicted that Rattler would take a seat and Caleb Williams would take over. This just gives you an idea. Spencer Rattler was 9 for 16, 112 yards and one interception. When he tried to go to the ground, he had five carries for negative nine yards, but had a touchdown. Of course, you're asking yourself, how does that happen? 
well, when he scrambles one time, gets a big loss, that can happen. But Caleb Williams comes in, takes over. He is 15 for 24, 211 yards, two touchdowns in the air. Then on the ground, he went four carries for 88 yards and a touchdown. The only thing this guy didn't do is receive a touchdown, which I'm sure is in the playbook somewhere. And so that is the telling story uh, when it comes down to where the game goes sour for the University of Texas. And again, it's almost like the defense wasn't ready. Casey Thompson on the other side of the ball, I mean, unbelievable game. If this guy does not become a part of the conversation of Heisman Trophy winners, I don't know what is wrong with America. And and you did mention that when you were on part of your high during the game. And, and, and you know what? I started looking at some things. I'm like, you know what? Definitely should be a contender I, at, yeah. at the minimum. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, five, 20, 20 for 34, 388 yards in the air, five touchdowns, no interception. Wow. And then the guy that is in that, yeah, the guy that's in the national conversation is Bijan Robinson. He had 20 carries, 137 yards, averaged 6.8 yards a carry with a touchdown. And so I think he keeps himself in contention. But, Jack, Kathy, I'll tell you what, my poor Longhorns, I thought for sure this was a done deal. Yeah, I mean, you're all, yeah, man, 70 to 14, you know, you're, you're th- and I think, I think you have a bet with an intern. For, for Peyton Nixon Associates. Oh, yeah. so, so, uh, Peyton yeah. Nixon Associates has some kind of bet, so somebody was going to wear a onesie or something. Is that Does that fall that's to that's you now? Because where, which job site will you be at for that? Because I'm there. <laughs> See, I want to find one that has child divided on the, on the, on the little onesie where it's got Texas on one side, Oklahoma <laughs> on the other yeah. side. Oh. That's what I to find. So, anyways, big loss for Texas. I think that Texas would have catapulted themselves in the top 10 if they had won that game. Instead, they dropped four slots, number 25. I'm not sure how that happens. I think that Texas proved that they can compete with the big boys. And oh, so absolutely. That is the way it goes. Um, Coastal Carolina, again, Kathy, the, the conversation that I'm going to keep going, number 15th in the country, they tear up Arkansas State 52-20. to 20. And again, Coastal Carolina says that we are ready to play with the big boys. So it's going to be interesting to watch that. Yeah, definitely. Number three, yeah. Cincinnati takes on Temple. Uh, they beat Temple 52-3. to three. And Number six, Ohio State takes on Maryland 66-17. Never really a game. And number 20, Florida. And I think that's a gift. I don't think Florida should even be ranked. Uh, beats Vanderbilt 42 to nothing. Uh, another game that kind of was meaningless, number 10, Michigan State, beats Rutgers 31-13. to Big, big football game in the SEC. Number 13 takes on number 17, Arkansas. Uh, Arkansas, again, trying to establish themselves as a powerhouse. They lose, this is what Dr. Clothier was talking about in scores, they lose 52-51, to Kathy. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was... And and that was one of the games you and I talked about. I'm like, oh, my goodness. I mean, and again, high-scoring games. This has to be some kind of a record for college football with the games, with the high-scoring games, with some of the other games I know you're about to talk about where, like, major upsets. So um, this just has to have been some kind of record-setting weekend for college football. I mean, even well, and, and, exactly and we're going to talk about that. my old my one of my old alma maters as well. That was a crazy yeah, game as what, well. One of the things that, that they're saying is, is that for this season, there are more games that are over fifty points by both teams than in the history of the NCAA football. And, and I wonder, I wonder what has led to that. I, I think the rules. I think rule changes are the biggest thing. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yep. I can see that. Um, So number 19, BYU, loses to Boise State at home 26-17. I think that was a big shocker. I don't think anybody saw Boise State coming. Um, But, yeah, BYU drops a big game at home. Wake Forest is on the road to Syracuse. Uh, Number 16, Wake Forest wins 40-37 in overtime. SMU, number 23, SMU, goes to Navy. By the way, Coach went to the academy 
this weekend and did a tour. Yeah. And how how fun is that? Yeah, yeah I love that. That's uh, awesome. Professor. Yep. What's that? Oh, no, I love that. I, I, I was like, oh, he's having the time of his life. So, yeah, he, um, yeah, he, he had a blast. The pictures were really neat. Um, and so, but yeah, so Navy goes on to lose that football game. That was very, very close. So SMU almost lost that game, uh, but they did not. They hold on. They stay undefeated. So it's very interesting uh, to watch SMU continue their march towards being undefeated and hit a bowl game. I mean, think about where they have come from after their glory days. It's some crazy stuff. Really sorry you caught me using an asthma inhaler. It, it really is. It's um yeah, uh, good to watch. And you know we've got a lot of uh, our friends who are who are alums and they they dig this scene. They're loving you know it, it. It's good that the team you love, like growing up or the school that you go to that you associate such great memories with, to see them do well. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, very much so. Well, Coach Quigley said the young lady I stayed with at the Naval Academy. Plano East class of 2003 had some good Judge Payton stories about her friends appearing in his courtroom. Apparently they were hoping for some lighter judgment since he went to East. Nope. Nope. (laughs) Shut it down. Not happening. (laughs) Damn. Let me tell you. All right. (laughs) That's pretty funny. Good morning, Eric Verdugo. Welcome back to the feed. Good morning, Cleo and Andrew and Fred and Gail. So a lot of folks jumping on the feed this morning. Peg McBrayer, good morning. Oh, hey. So, uh, yeah, so anyways, back Cleo, to Cleo, I'll see football. you in Round Rock. <laughs> there you go. All right, number one, Georgia, takes on Auburn in Auburn. Of course, you heard me say number one, Georgia, and we'll talk about that here in a minute. Wins 34 to 10 with no problem at all. Uh, Penn State, Iowa. That was the big number three versus number four. Penn State's quarterback goes out. Early in the game, Penn State not able to generate a whole lot of offense. Iowa proving that they can hang with the big boys. They win 23-20. to 20. This is going to be the Big Ten's biggest chance for someone to get into the playoffs finally uh, when it comes down to um, running for the national title. So Iowa moves to number two in the country. Penn State's number seven. Number eight, Michigan barely skates by Nebraska. 32-29, would have loved to have seen Nebraska win that football game, and they almost did. Uh, LSU has definitely found themselves on the other end of the toilet bowl. Number 11, Kentucky, flexes their muscle with a 42-21 victory over LSU. LSU will more than likely remain un- unranked the rest of the year. Notre Dame, Kathy. Jesus's team. Even though I thought, I thought UT you. was going to be Jesus's team this weekend, so I don't know. Boy. <laughs> You, me, both. <clears throat> Notre Dame, number 14 in the country. They do hold on to beat a Virginia yep. Tech team that really is pretty good. And they went on the road and had won this game 32-29. And so why is it? Well, we'll finish out top 25. San Diego State is number 24 in the country. They beat New Mexico 31-7. to Now, for the absolute, no doubt in my mind, game of the week, which nobody saw it this way, Texas A&M versus Alabama at home. Wowee. Nobody gave Texas A&M a chance. In fact, it was funny. Somebody I we know. Didn't. Had we bought didn't. Tickets. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they bought tickets to this game. $600 a ticket for uh, he, his wife, and his son. Right. And the wife was already talking about, you know what? If this gets out of hand, I'm getting up and walking and you're coming. He's like, yes, dear. Um, and guess what? Nobody left their seat. No. Holy yeah. moly. This was Jesus's team this weekend. Wow. Texas A&M, Texas A&M teaches Nick Saban, don't come into our house. And Station. that was a loud house and a jam-packed full house. Um, I know some friends who they were just planning on taking their son, who's applied to go to A&M, to, a, um, to the game. Well, Dorinda, dear friend of ours. And they ended up, their friends somehow ended up with some extra tickets. And they're like, heck yeah, we're coming in. And literally, the school spirit, just the energy, 
even I, I well, I know Alabama fans are not happy, so I'm not going to even go down that road. But it's one of those things that you know to what was it a 19 game win streak and A and M who we were just busting chops on the coach and saying, hey, is he going to make it? Because their alumni don't mess around with this, and then here we go, they beat Alabama. I mean, they handed it to them. So, and let's talk about that. Let's break this down by quarter. Texas A&M jumps off in the first quarter on fire. They score 17 <laughs> points in the first quarter. The defense holding the Alabama Crimson tied to only a touchdown. So at the end of the first quarter, it was 17-7. And all of a sudden, Aggie fans are thinking, well, let's not get too excited. It was only the first quarter, but yeah, baby. And so here we go. Second quarter takes off. Crimson Tide kind of start figuring things out on defense. Texas A&M puts a touchdown on the board, but the Texas A&M defense holds Alabama to 10 points at the half. Kathy, that was huge. Yeah, I mean, again, just uh, what a game. What a game. And talk about school spirit and folks literally. I mean, it was – I'm sure you saw some of the posts on social media from some of our friends who were all whoop. And when they were recording the crowd, and oh, and one of our friends um, did like the decibel thing where you can, on your phone, you can you can see how loud it is and what the decibel points are um, or number is. It was through the roof. It was literally through the, I mean, it was just, it was crazy. I, I love stuff like that. that. That's what college football is all about. That's something you don't ever get that kind of a feeling at an NFL game. Boy, howdy, but you, you get sometimes you just get it at a college game, and, and that's why people love college football. Well, the 12th man was awake that night. <laughs> Amen. Because I'll tell you, again, Texas A&M holds them to 10 points. The roof, which they don't have one, but <laughs> they did, was, was going to be blown off yes. that stadium. Yes. The fans were crazy. Over 100,000 people in attendance at the football game. And it just, again, the 12th man was definitely in play. The third quarter comes back. Alabama starts to find their legs. At this point, Aggie fans have to start becoming concerned. Uh, they put 14 points on the Aggie defense in the third quarter, but the offense was able to put a touchdown in the third quarter on the board for the Texas A&M Aggies. The fourth quarter would be no less dramatic. And almost to the point where it's like Texas, Texas A&M, seem to want to give up the game. A blocked punt creates a defensive touchdown, and Texas or Alabama, for the first time in the football game, goes into the lead. And so, again, you could just feel the deflation, and then all of a sudden this reinvigoration comes out of nowhere, and the 12th man takes over the rest of the game, pushing their Aggies to victory. Alabama, 14 points in the fourth quarter, but Texas A&M, able to put 10 points on the board and it a last second field goal as time runs off getting goosebumps talking about it uh that puts a&m over alabama 41 to 38 bryce young the quarterback from alabama 28 for 48 369 yards three touchdowns an interception and then brian robinson jr 24 carries 147 yards 6.1 6.1 yards on the ground, but no touchdowns for a running back for Alabama. And Jamison Williams has another huge game at 10 catches, 146 yards, two touchdowns. Now let's talk about Texas A&M. How did they break it down? Zach Calzada goes off on fire for once. 21 for 31, 285 yards, three touchdowns, an interception. Ground game had a big play. Isaiah Spiller had some big carries when he needed them, 17 carries. 46 yards and a touchdown. And Devin Kane, seven carries for 34 yards. Again, the ground game surprised them. On the receiving end, again, Calzada used several wide receivers, Smith and Widermer, big-time catches, six receptions, 85 yards, two touchdowns, three receptions, 73 yards, and a touchdown. And again, your final score, Kathy, 41-38. to Go Aggies. Alabama drops yeah, number go, five in the ranking. Aggies go. And AM takes over Texas as number 21, ranking in the top 25. So, again, huge upset. Well, I tell you, if you put $100 on the Aggie game and took the Aggies, 
boy, your payout would be pretty decent. Well, and you know what's interesting? I don't think we've ever had a college sports wrap-up led by you that had UT losing in a crazy upsetting game to OU and you speaking with glee and happiness and almost in an effervescent manner about A&M. So, let the record because, show. Let the yeah. record show. <laughs> yeah, that's because I like to scream War Eagle at Alabama fans. I absolutely cannot stand Alabama. I, I, and so. I know that's why you're like, okay, you could, it's almost like because A&M beat Alabama, who you cannot stand. I mean, you are, yeah. there's no, you're not, there's no scenario where you're a fan. You're just not. And so I think this is the only way you can swallow that tough pill that was a loss of UT to OU and actually be going, Whoop or what is it? Whoop is that what the Aggies do? Yeah, whoop, yeah. Your thumb. Whoop, whoop. So everybody mark this day in history. Yeah. So here's your top ten, and then we're going to talk about Southwest Texas State. Well, yeah, or Texas, Texas State, State University. University. Yeah, eat them yeah, up, cats. <laughs> yep. So here's your top ten. Number one, Georgia is six and zero right now. They are three and zero away and two and zero at home. Iowa is ranked number two in the country. They are six and zero. Number three, Cincinnati. Cincinnati's defense is for real, folks. They are 5-0, undefeated. Oklahoma, number four, they are 6-0. Alabama, number five, they are 5-1. Ohio State's ranked number six, they are 5-1. Penn State is ranked number seven, they are 5-1. Michigan, number eight, Michigan, ranked six, or they're 6-0. But again, they are ranked behind all those 5-1 teams. No respect in Michigan. Number nine, Oregon is 4-1. Michigan State, also no respect. Well, I'll tell you what, these guys have no respect for the schools in Michigan. Michigan State ranks number 10. They are 6-0. and oh. uh, Just a couple highlights of your other Texas teams in the top 25. Texas A&M is ranked 21. SMU is ranked 23. And Texas is ranked number 25. So, Kathy, talk to us about the Bearcats. What not, happened there? Not, not bear, Bearcats, the Bobcats. Or Bobcats. Eat them up, cats. Okay, so um, <clears throat> I was a strutter at um, what was then Southwest Texas State University. Now it is Texas State University. And I didn't even catch. Now, I've caught some of the highlights afterwards, but had no idea. And all of a sudden, I get this text through the Alumni Association so Texas State beat Southern Alabama um, in four, four – how do you call it? Quadruple overtime, I guess you would say is the correct term. If you say it's four right. overtimes. I mean, what a game. Uh, you know, so I, And I've got to go back and watch some more highlights from that game because I can't believe – I'm like, why wasn't I watching that one? Um, yeah, so it, again, it was just – you and I are still literally texting about college football, and I'm like, well, here's another one for you, my friend. What the what? So four overtimes, they go on to beat Southern Alabama. So go Bobcats, go Texas State. I, I, I love a good rally story like that. Yep. And, it, and again, what a game that they played out. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll just, I'll tell you, football has lost its mind. The rules <laughs> have become very friendly to uh, the offense. Yes. But it takes about three years and defenses adjust. And I think you're going to see that. A lot of back off the quarterback kind of approach. Right. Um, when it comes to the rules. So we'll see. I have a feeling defenses will, in fact, uh, they adapt. Yeah, they ad yeah. they adapt so, uh, again because at the end of the day, what do you say wins football games? You know, kitty defense. football games, high school, college, NFL. You always go back to defense. Defense always finds a way to rally, no matter what the rule change are. That that's just been over time. So I think I I would I would place a bet on your prediction that in a couple of seasons, defense will have um, adjusted. In the meantime. This is a fun college football season. Yep, I agree. Good times. Um, so, big question. Who's going to win the Army-Navy game? Who's going to win the Baylor-Navy uh, game? I'm going to go with Baylor at home. Okay. And then the Army-Navy game, I'm taking Army. Woo, wait okay, the there you go. Game. I don't know who I'm taking in Army-Navy this year. Cleo's, if Cleo's still um, on the feed, I'm taking Army because of her son. <laughs> There you go. Okay. Um, no, um, I, I obviously, I've, and I've 
always got to take Baylor because Michael's a, an alum. So sick and bears. Right. And Coach Quigley says, I would love to see I see no Alabama in the Final Four playoff for the NCAA championship. Uh, Coach, you need both. And I think Georgia is going to be the team that takes them out of it. Really? I think Alabama goes. Oh, yeah. I think okay. they got a second loss on their plate. And I think it's Georgia. Wow. Let the record show again. Bold statement. Talking, yep. ab- talking about bold statements. Anything gone viral lately, JP? Oh, <laughs> I don't know. Where's my friend Brandon? <laughs> Hello. I can't yeah, believe I'm you don't already have a, a, cap, a ball cap, a T-shirt. I was like, oh, oh. When, when I finally one. saw this story, oh, I I was like, I have no doubt. I thought for sure you would pop on with it today. Um, yeah, so, okay, so there's, um, and, I, and I'll pull up the story because it was at people, and, and this is not, everybody's like, well, I've read some articles where the liberal media is like, and Democrats are like, oh, this is just all the Trump supporters. I think at this point, it's not just people who are upset that Trump lost, um, you know, I I think these are folks that are upset with inflation, with the prices at the grocery store, with the lack of items at the grocery store, with um, the price of gas. I think you've just got folks who are very upset with Afghanistan. My gosh, with the unnecessary deaths, with with the uh, with the border. I mean, my goodness, we could go on for forty five minutes. We could go on for four or five hours about all of the Fine. things that people are upset with. You know, um, boy, howdy. Well, so, uh, go ahead. Of course, a little bit of a little bit of history. Yeah. So the chanting started off at football games. Yeah. With F. Joe Biden. And fill in the blank. Yeah. Well, I just said F. Joe Biden. F. Joe Biden. Yes. Part on Joe Biden. Um, So then, at the NASCAR Xfinity Series, driver Brandon Brown gets on his interview and pretty much has the same sentiment about anti. Biden and turns it into let's go Brandon, which goes viral within seconds. Well, it, it, yeah, it was the guy who was in. So, okay, so this has been happening just sporadically. Brown, by the way, at, yeah, has, this has been happening sporadically at football games. So then you've got Brandon Brown who who um, who wins the race. He's being interviewed by, and I can't remember the name of the reporter. I should pull it up because the reporter's actually the one who took this, and it was like okay, and everybody ran yeah, with NBC it. Rep- NBC reporter is the one who is conducting the interview. Yes, and so he's interviewing. He's hearing, and the NBC um, cameras, you could not help but pick up bleep Joe Biden. I mean, it was clear as day what the crowd was saying. And so the reporter, and you, you've you been in situations like this when you've been at a sporting event and been interviewing somebody, and people are screaming stuff, and you have to kind of, well, and you have to work around it, especially, you know, kids are listening and whatnot. And so he said, well, he said, oh, let's go, Brandon. Just trying to take away from the obvious statement that right. was being said. Oh, my goodness. This I've never seen anything go viral so quickly in my whole entire life. Have you? No, this is Kelly Stavis, by the way, was the interviewer. That's it, Kelly Stavis. Yes, yes, yes. And so, yeah, the NBC reporter, no. Nobody has. This thing went viral quick. It's funny, the memes that went out. There is Immediately. A, a picture of Joe Biden looking at Barack Obama with his hands in his in his face. <laughs> and uh, a puzzle at the bottom is uh, the Wheel of Fortune. And up on the board is F blank CK, Joe B blank Den. <laughs> oh, uh, Biden goes, I'd like to solve the puzzle. Let's go, oh, Brandon. No, no, no. Yeah, people yeah. put on their wedding dress. Let's go, Brandon, oh, for their wedding. Oh, you also, um, have you seen, you know how AOC spent, what, $30,000 or somebody bought her a $30,000 ticket? And as we know, according to Congressman Taylor, um, she missed a, a meeting where that committee was voting that night to be at the, the Met and have some fancy thing and had, you know, whatever she had on the back of her dress. And so now the meme is let's go Brandon on the back of her dress in that kind of Chick-fil-A font. So it's, yeah. it's 
everywhere. I, I told you one of the t-shirt companies I subscribed to their feed and literally they're like hot off the press. We just made 300 of these. And all of a sudden next thing they're like, okay, well those are pretty much gone. Get your last one right now. You were going to try to make more. I, I just, I think this is going to be a thing you see at sporting events at, um, again, and it's, you know, of course, any anybody who's a lib or who's a supporter of, you know, what Biden has done with this country, they're going to try to say, oh, well, you know, that's that's cruel and that's the Republicans and that's the pe- the mean Trump people and blah, blah, blah. No, this is America. And we've really kind of turned on each other and been cruel to each other. This is America. These are just normal tax paying. We the people who are out there trying to relieve some of the stress that has come to us unnecessarily under this current administration. And so I think you're going to see more and more folks hop on that because it's a somewhat comical way to deal with some very, very serious and frightening issues that we're facing in our country. Well, so the let's go Brandon uh, chant, what I love too, is that at the Chicago airport, somebody paid, let's go Brandon. I, did you see that one? I saw that. Yeah. I was like, oh no. So you know that's going to be a thing now, especially as people, you know, you've got flights. My goodness, I heard a report this morning and I can't remember the numbers, so I don't want to quote unless I'm getting them correct. But there are literally flights being canceled, JP, left and right. You know, and I thought about you because I know you're still moving your, some of your dad's stuff from Arizona and you guys are still trying to fly back and forth. There are people who are spending the night overnight. There are people who are missing going home, you know, getting to see their kids in college, going to work, all kinds of things because flights are being canceled left and right. So I think, again, and that and a lot of that has to do with the fact that there are a lot of um, flight attendants and, and um, pilots who are saying, hey, don't force me to take a vaccine. If I want to take the vaccine, I'll take it. That's a whole nother topic that we've discussed at length. But I think you're going to hear this at airports. Again, this is a somewhat humorous way to, without saying what you're really thinking, to to get your point across. And I think you're going to hear things like this at airports more often. I think you're going to hear, I think it's going to be, I, this, is, this is one of those things that's gone viral. And there's no telling where it goes next. And I'm looking forward to all of the creativity involved around it. Well, I'll tell you what else was creative is Oktoberfest. Yay! And there are a lot of things going on throughout the Dallas Metroplex. We're getting ready to close out the show. But before we do, just real quick, if you haven't been out to have a good time yet, Oak Highlands Brewery, October 17th and 18th, that's in Northeast Dallas. Uh, they will be having their Oktoberfest. Um, they are offering, and they're joining hands with Cedar Creek Brew House and eatery for a special four-course traditional German-style dinner paired with four of the brewer's German-themed beers. Tickets are $50 on pre-Kindle. Um, the main Oktoberfest celebration will take place on Saturday with live music, uh, Miss Oktoberfest contest, keg rolling, and a chug run. Get all the details on Oak Highlands Brewery. A chug run. Website. Wait, I don't. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think. Even in my college days, I don't think I could chug and run at the same time. That just sounds like a recipe for disaster. Well, evidently <laughs> they're doing it. I'm just saying. Well, it didn't. Um, um, one that's still left. Didn't Coach Quigley's um, grandson? Let's see. It's a three-peat grandson and granddaughter. Um, Piper and Connor are three-peat winners of the Little Miss and Mister Oktoberfest in Salina. How great is that? That's very cool. So, yay! The two cutest children on this earth. Oh. Yay! <laughs> but of course, it would be. They're adorable. They are. All right. Uh, Oktoberfest that are still going on. Um, House Fest at Vector Brewing. That's on Walnut Hill, October the 18th. Uh, they will be doing their huge performance or a huge Oktoberfest. Um, Vector Brewing is looking for a good repeat uh, performance. <clears throat> they will have their German style Oktoberfest, Marzen or Kleinegeist, which I'm not German, style Tesselwizen, which again, I'm not German, in a free commemorative sign. Supplies are limited. You can enter a yodeling contest, a sign holding contest. It. Fill up on pizza or a corn dog made with Kubi's bratwurst pizza? before the beer belly contest. Wait, did you yeah, say it's pizza? Gonna, it's going to be kind of crazy. Did you say yeah. pizza at an Oktoberfest? What? Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, but it's bratwurst pizza. Okay, I'd try that. 
I'd try that. Yep. The event <laughs> is free to attend. Uh, um, <clears throat> it's going to have like, like 20 different small businesses, vendors, live music, uh, all the way through. Um, so that's another Oktoberfest that's still going on. Because uh, a lot of the Oktoberfests are already over, Kathy, or they've already done their thing. Right. Uh, but those two are the two big ones that are going on in the Dallas area. So if you have not partaked in Oktoberfest yet, you still have a chance to do so. So uh, enjoy that. It's time for us to bid adieu. Bust a move. Say goodbye. And uh, Lisa and I are back um, from 10 to 11 today, and it is our one-year anniversary show. So we're going to talk about some of our past shows and some of the amazing um, uh, ladies and gentlemen we've had on the show. So very, very excited about that. So so good times. And then um, JP, Rob wanted me to tell you his prediction for the Super Bowl. And I know you're not watching the NFL, but I thought you'd, you'd find this interesting. He said his Super, his Super Bowl prediction is the Bills – versus the Cowboys so I, I can believe that 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 could be a possibility that. boy they should boy what a difference a year makes with the game against the Giants so um well what a difference defense makes with a new defensive coordinator again defense yep South Lake Town Square also October 15th through the 17th I hope everybody's had a good Monday morning with JP Kathy and the crew Mwah. have a blessed week and we'll see you on Wednesday love y'all Mwah.